This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Amen. Give up a, a round of applause for the Lord and His goodness. Amen. Yes, Lord. Well, I hope you'll turn in a Bible to Luke chapter 20. And as you're turning, um, I want to ask you, have you ever known an athlete who was really good at a sport, but because they didn't like the coach, they quit playing their sport? Maybe, maybe you have been that athlete. Maybe that was your kid. Maybe that was your friend. But you know those moments, it's not uncommon, right? Somebody's really good, and you just think, man, they could have been so good, but they couldn't stand the coach. And had they just stuck with it, you know, it would have been so beautiful, but they just were unwilling to play for that coach. Well, in our, in our text this morning in Luke chapter 20, Um, We're going to see these religious leaders, how they didn't want Jesus to be their Lord, their Lord. So let me just kind of give you an overview on what we're going to see, and then we'll dig in in Luke chapter 20, okay? So Jesus is coming up to the last week of his life, and his whole journey, all of his teaching ministry was leading up to this last week. It's Passover week, and Jesus is teaching in the temple and we're going to see that, that uh, the scribes and these religious leaders, the elders, um, they come up and they ask him a question. They ask Jesus a question. Um, and th- what had just happened was Jesus had just cleansed the temple and just turned the tables over in the temple. And so they're like, Jesus, by whose authority do you do these things? And so Jesus responds, rather than answering their question, he responds brilliantly with a question of his own. And he asks them um, where did John the Baptist get his authority? Like, was John the Baptist from heaven, or was he of human, earthly authority? And so then the religious leaders, they huddled up, and they discussed it among themselves. And they said, if we, if we say that John the Baptist, uh, if his authority was from heaven, Jesus is going to rebuke us and say, well, why didn't you believe him? Because John the Baptist pointed to Jesus and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, and, and so they said, but, but, but if we say, that, if we say that, that, that John the Baptist's authority was, was human authority, then, these, then all the people who believe that John the Baptist was from God, they're going to stone us. So, so what do they do? They, they just respond and they say, we don't know. <laughs> so where does John the Baptist's authority come? From heaven, from earth? We don't know. So then Jesus says, well, I'm not going to tell you where my, where my authority comes from. And then Jesus tells a parable. He follows up with a parable and he tells a story. And and basically in this story, he's reinforcing this point that he exposed with his question. And he tells this story about a farmer. And he says, this farmer has land and he um, rents out his land to, to three tenants. So you guys get that because that happens here all the time, right? Somebody has land and they let somebody raise their cows on their land or something like that, right? Somebody owns the land, but they let someone else plant tobacco on their land. And so, so Jesus is telling this story about a man 
has land and he rents it out to three different people or, or to a group of people, these tenants, and then he goes away. The man goes away for a long time. And then the man, the farmer, sends his servant back to the tenants to get some of the, the crop because that's how they would kind of rent the land. That's how they would pay the land. So I'll let you use the land if you give me a portion of the crop. So he sends his servant back to get the portion of the land. And the tenants beat the man up and kick him out of the vineyard, kick him, kick him out of the farm. So the farmer very patiently decides to send another servant. He sends another servant, and he sends another servant to um, the tenants, and they beat him up, treat him shamefully, and kick him out of the, out of the vineyard. So the farmer, again, patiently decides to send another servant. He sends another servant. They wound him and kick him out of the vineyard. So then the farmer says, what shall I do? Maybe if I send my beloved son, they'll respect him. So he sends his son. And, and the tenants say, this is the heir. This is the heir. <laughs> if we kill him, we'll get to have it all. Kick him out of the vineyard, and they kill the farmer's son. So then the farmer, so, so then the farmer, this is what the farmer is going to do in response. The farmer is then going to kill the tenants and give all the land to others. So this is the story that Jesus is telling these religious leaders. And they respond by saying, that should never happen. <laughs> the farmer should never kill the, those that are renting from him. That should that should never happen. And then Jesus, quoting the Old Testament, says, well, this is the chief cornerstone that the builders rejected. And he's talking about himself. And he's talking about really Israel, the leaders, Israel's, their whole journey with God. So we're going to dig in this together. Are you ready? If you're ready, just hold your Bible up. Let me know you're ready. This is going to be good. We're going to have to turn to some different places. So um, follow along as I read this text that I just kind of summarized for you. Luke chapter 20, uh, picking up in verse 1. One day, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, let me just pause there. What was Jesus doing? He was teaching and doing what? Preaching the what? The gospel. What is the gospel? Let me give you four words that summarizes the gospel. If I asked you today, in 30 seconds or less, could you explain the gospel? Could you? The gospel means good news. Let me give you four words that summarizes the gospel. Are you ready for it? If you're taking notes, capture these. God, man, Jesus response. If you want to explain the gospel, if you want to preach the good news like Jesus was preaching the good news, you can summarize the gospel with those four words. God, man, Jesus response. God was a holy, loving creator. He created this earth. He put man, created man in his image, and put man to lead this earth. But man sinned and rebelled against God and broke his relationship with God. And God in his love sent Jesus to reconcile sinful man back to God. In his love, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, sent the Holy Spirit, and will return one day for his children. And the response, that's the fourth word, response. If we confess our sins and turn to Jesus and trust in him, we'll be saved, forgiven, heaven will forever be our home. Listen, that's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news of the gospel that could save your soul today. And that's what Jesus was doing in the temple. He was preaching the good news about himself. He was preaching the gospel. That's why we preach the gospel. You can preach the gospel. 
Uh, the devil likes to get in our head and make us think, you know, like if, you, if your friend says, oh, I don't want you preaching to me. Hello, preaching is what can save their soul. So if you think, well, I don't want to be preaching to somebody, well, where did that thought come from? It didn't come from the Lord. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was preaching the gospel, the good news. So if you think, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to be, I mean, like, I get it, I get it. Like, you don't have to be an annoying preacher, right? You don't have to be an annoying witness for Jesus. But if you think preaching, if you think about preaching in a negative connotation, the devil has a foothold in your mind. And you need to change your thinking. We must proclaim the good news because it's unspeakably good news. Now, if you're new to Christianity, just hang in there with me because we think you're going to understand this good news and have your life totally changed for good in hearing and understanding the good news. This is what Jesus was preaching. One day, look at verse 1. One day as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes with the elders came up and said to him, tell us about what authority you do these things. Or, or who it is that, that gave you this authority. Will you pause there, hold your finger in Luke 20, and turn over to Luke 9. I want you to see something. So, so who was asking Jesus about the authority? Where do you get this authority, Jesus? Who was asking him about it? Well, it was the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. I want you to look at this in Luke 9. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you need a minute, say, minute. All right. Luke chapter 9, look at verse 21. And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one. What, what he had just, Peter had just confessed Jesus as the Christ, and Jesus said, don't tell anybody. Why, why was that? thought we were supposed to spread the good news. Well, Jesus knew that his time to go to the cross had not come yet, and he didn't want there to be like a political upheaval before he went to the cross. He said, don't, don't tell anybody yet. He's going to commission them to tell the whole world. But he says, not yet, not yet. Look at verse 22, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. So who would he be rejected by? The elders? The chief priests and the scribes. Turn back to Luke chapter 20. So Jesus, previously in his ministry, is predicting that he's going to be rejected by the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. Look at verse 1 and 2 again. One day as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came up and said to him, tell us about what authority do you do these things? Or who is it that gave you this authority? It's happening. It's happening. They're, com they're coming for him. Just like Jesus said they would, they're coming for him. The very people that Jesus said would crucify, they're coming for him. It's starting. This is the week he's going to die. So he answered them, uh, I will also ask you a question. Now tell me, was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Uh, who, who are these people? Let me just pause there. Who are these people? Who are, these, who are the scribes? Who are the chief priests? Who, who are the elders? In this time, they likely made up a, a group, a delegation called the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin oversaw, uh, they, they oversaw all of the Jewish religious, legal, and political matters. This group came together, and that's what they were, uh, 
uh, delegated to do is you guys take care of this. So this group came together, all the, all the religious, all the political, all these legal matters. And in this group, you had the scribes, and the scribes were lawyers, and they were interpreters of the law. They were teachers of the law, and they were, uh, the scribes were those that would copy the law. And so the scribes knew the law. It's what they devoted their lives to doing, to knowing the law and, 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 and writing it down accurately. And then you had the chief priests. And the chief priests were responsible for all of the, all of the work that would happen in the temple. Every, all the sacrifices, they oversaw the administration of the temple. And then you had the elders. And the elders were the elite leaders in the community. And this group made up the Sanhedrin. Now let me tell you what's significant about this group. Whenever there was a, whenever there was a local court disagreement that a local court couldn't solve, they would bring it, they would bring the matters to a group that's called uh, the Jerusalem court at the gate of the temple mount. So if you've ever seen a, a visual of the temple, you've got these, all these gates that go into the temple. And so if in a local court, they had a disagreement that couldn't be resolved, they would bring it to a higher court in the first, the Jerusalem court that sat outside of uh, the temple mount. Now, if that group couldn't resolve it, they would take it further into the temple and they would, and they would bring it to uh, a, a court which sat at the gate of the temple court. So now, if you know like the whole deal with the temple, then you know the further in you go in the temple, the closer you get to the Holy of Holies, where only the priests would go in. It's, it's, like, it's like, like there was, the, there was the glory of God, right? The Holy of Holies. And so, so here's the idea. Don't, don't miss this. The Sanhedrin, this group of the, of the scribes and the chief priests and, and, and the elders, they were like the third court. So local court, they can't resolve it. They bring it to this gate, to this court that's set out there. They can't resolve it. They take it to another court further inside the temple. They can't resolve it. And then they bring it all the way into the, the Sanhedrin. I mean, so the, the idea, the concept is that, is that, you know, as you bring it to the Sanhedrin, it's like the closer to God you're bringing it. Right? Like that, that was the concept. That was the idea. And these are the people that are challenging Jesus and asking him these questions. The, these people that would resolve the conflicts. These people that were deep into the temple, that sat into the temple, close to the Holy of Holies. These were the people that were challenging Jesus. And they said, where do you, where do you get your authority? Verse 3, he answered them, I will also ask you a question. Now tell me, was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? And that's when they huddle up and and, and when Jesus flips the script on them and asks them this question about John, he exposes what they're after. They're not after the truth. They're not after the truth because what do they say? <laughs> what they were after was maintaining their own authority. They were looked at as the elite. They were looked at as, as, as those that had power. They, they had status. People wanted to come to them with their questions, right? They were the ones that would solve all the problems that all these other courts couldn't solve, right? And so they wanted to maintain that elite status. So when Jesus flips the scripts and says, where did John get his authority? They huddle up and they're like, okay, if we, if we say John's authority came from heaven, he's going to say, why didn't you believe him? Why aren't you trusting in me? Because John said, I'm the, lamb of, I'm, I'm, I'm the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They said, well, but, but, but if we say John, was, his, his authority was earthly and from, you know, of man, they're going to stone us because all the people believed that John was from God, was, was from God. And so, so they come back and they just tell Jesus, well, we don't know. So Jesus says, well, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you 
where my authority comes from. But then he tells the story, the parable, uh, that, that reinforces what his question exposed. It reinforces a, a point. And let, me, and let me interpret the parable for you. The parable, you'll remember there was a farmer, right? A farmer has land and he rents it out to tenants and then he sends his servant to get the harvest back, right? To get the payment for the land. So this parable is illustrating um, as, as the farmer sends servants to the tenants, that illustrates God sending the prophets to his people. Now, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, you know God sent prophets to speak to his people, to preach to his people on his behalf. But the prophets were rarely welcomed with joy. They, they, were, they, they were often rejected. They, they did not want to hear the prophets. They often had tough messages. And God in his grace always spared a remnant among his people. But by and large, God's people rejected the prophets. So this whole parable is just reminding Israel of their whole history with God. And if, and if you're stunned by anything, be stunned by the patience of God. He sends a prophet. He sends a servant. They reject him, kick him out of the garden. They beat him and kick him out of the vineyard. That's what happened, right? So what does he do? He, he patiently sends another servant, sends another prophet. And they won't listen to that prophet. And they reject that prophet. They beat him and kick him out of the... And then God, what does he God do? He sends another prophet. And they reject that prophet, right? So the people of God had a long history of rejecting the authority of God in their life. So what does the farmer say? Maybe I'll, what shall I do? I'll send my beloved son and they'll respect him. So he's, he's I mean, Jesus', Jesus message to them is, it's kind of an in-your-face confrontational message. Um, because now Jesus is God's son. And, and he's predicting his death. You guys are going to kill me. I'm going to the cross. Um, I, I came to represent my father, but you're rejecting, you're rejecting me. So, so why, why is all this so important? Why is all this so important? Why is Jesus telling this parable? Well, look at it with me. Let's pick it up in verse 16. He will come and destroy those tenants. Let's, let's go back to, look at, verse, look at verse 13. Then the owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Let us kill him so that the inheritance may be ours. And they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come, Jesus says, he will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. In, in, in other words, Israel's history was a long history of rejecting God. And God had long been patient with them. But Jesus is saying, God's patience is coming to an end. You will not be able to reject me forever and live. So, so when they heard this, they said, Surely not. <laughs> Surely not. Isn't that, isn't, that, isn't, that what, isn't that what the world says about 
the coming judgment of God? Surely not. Surely not. Listen, I love to preach on the grace of God. I love to preach on the love of God. I love to preach on the mercy of God. I love to preach upon just the, the, the waterfall of God's love. But Jesus' message here is a message of judgment. Jesus' message here is intended to confront the religious leaders in their rejection of God's authority. Authority. They, they, they did not want to play for that coach. <laughs> they, they rejected that. We're rejecting God's authority. I want you to see just a couple of things as we seek to understand what's going on here. They said, surely not. Look at verse 17. Look at verse 17. But he, that's Jesus, but he looked directly at them and said, what then is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is a direct quote from Psalm 118, verse 22. So the scribes, you think about it, the scribes would have written this down. They would have, they would have copied this verse down. They would have interpreted this verse. The people of Israel would have come to the scribes and they would have asked them, what does Psalm 118, verse 22 mean? What does that mean? What does it mean that the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? The scribes were the people that would have answered the question, what does that mean? And how Jesus is saying, I'm the cornerstone and you're rejecting me. So when you build a building, you got this giant cornerstone on the, on the side. They would hold the whole building together. And the building doesn't go up unless you have the cornerstone in place. And they rejected the cornerstone. So no building's going up. <laughs> Indeed, Jesus continues. Jesus continues to speak in their language, quoting the Old Testament. Verse 18, everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. God spoke to the prophet Isaiah. See if this language sounds familiar to verse 18. But the Lord of hosts... Him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. And, and he, will, uh, be, he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap, a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. Do you, do you see? Look back at verse 18. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. Do you hear what Jesus is doing? Je Jesus is picking up on the imagery that the prophet Isaiah spoke, and he's, and he's putting this right before the religious leaders. Have you, ever, have you ever been hiking and tripped over a big rock, you know? Like maybe like you were covering some really good ground. I mean, maybe you were running, and it's like your favorite trail or whatever, and, and here you come, and you trip over a rock, and maybe you just fall, and you scrape up your knees, and... Like in those moments, some of us have choice words for the rock, right? You know what I mean? Like you just make up words. You just name your rock, right? You just name the rock and it's usually not a pleasant name. Am I right? No, you guys don't know anything about that. I know. It's, it's, such, a, it's such a holy congregation you are. The, the, the imagery is hard to miss. Like, like everybody's stumbled over a rock. And when we do, most of us have choice words for the rock. And, and Jesus said, you're stumbling over the rock. And you're looking back with a, you're rejecting the rock. You're rejecting the rock. Would you turn over quickly in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2? 
We don't usually flip back and forth from scriptures, um, but, but Jesus is, he's just alluding to all these Old Testament texts. It's hard to understand the New Testament unless you understand the Old Testament. So if you're reading sometimes and there's all these images that are confusing to you, for, friends, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've got to read the Bible. You've got to know what God has said. You can't, listen, to, re, to ignore the scriptures is to ignore God. So don't ignore the Old Testament. It's the story of God's grace with his people, and it all points to Jesus and helps us to understand it. Um, turn over to Daniel. Um, Daniel chapter 2. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you need a minute, say, minute. Look at you guys, so fast. Daniel chapter 2, look at verse 34. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Daniel here is interpreting King Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and he's giving a, a, a theological interpretation King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Daniel comes and interprets the dream. Now look at verse 44. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Hallelujah. Nor shall the kingdoms be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. Daniel is saying it's a stone that's demolishing the idols. And he's interpreting this dream for King Nebuchadnezzar. Turn back to Luke chapter 20 and don't miss the imagery here. Don't miss the connection. Why, why, listen, why is this so important? Look at verse 18. Everyone who, Luke, Luke chapter 20, verse 18. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. This is a horrifying image of a stone falling on a person and crushing him. And Jesus is soberly warning the religious leaders that were rejecting his authority. So what does this mean for you and me? If we reject Jesus as our Lord, judgment awaits us. How should we feel about that? We should be sober to the core. We should dread the judgment to come. We should hear the good news that God wants to forgive us and he wants to give us grace. And we should run to him and escape judgment and receive his grace. Avoid hell and heaven is our home. Avoid alienation with God and have a relationship with God forever. Have you ever, um, <laughs> you ever heard a song and you thought you knew the words to the song? And for years, you sang the wrong words. Do you know what I'm talking about? And it's kind of like that humiliating moment when you realize, I've been singing the wrong words all these years. And you're like, how could I have thought that those were the words? It didn't make any sense, but I've just been singing them anyways. It's really these words, you know? Or maybe you thought, the real words don't make any sense. I've been singing it. He should have wrote it this year. You know what I'm talking about? Well, listen. People make a grave mistake. Listen to this. Don't miss this. People make a grave mistake thinking 
that they can have the grace of Jesus, that they can have the love of Jesus, that they can have the forgiveness of Jesus and not have the lordship of Jesus over their life. People make a grave mistake thinking that they can can have all of the good of Jesus and not have his good leadership over their life. And they're listening, and they got the words wrong to the song. They're going on their merry way, singing their own words, and they got it wrong. Listen, the way you receive the grace of Jesus is by receiving Jesus as your Lord. The way you receive the love of God is by receiving his son as your king. The way you receive forgiveness of God is by trusting in Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. So today, listen, don't be like these stubborn, evil religious leaders that were rejecting Jesus. Don't be like that basketball player who could have been amazing, but because they didn't like the coach, they just gave it all up. Don't give it all up. Don't give it all up, but, but submit to Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity in a moment. Emily's going to come and just help us respond. I want to give you an opportunity in a moment. There's some of you here this morning that today you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've you've been in charge. You've been calling the shots. You've, You've wanted to have authority over your life. That's what the religious leaders wanted. They wanted to be their own boss. But Jesus is the only good ruler and king of our heart. Many of you here this morning, you would say, Jesus is my Lord. But, but there's areas of your life that you're hanging on to still right now. You would say, Jesus is my Lord, but in this little area, I'm Lord. Jesus is my Lord, but in this little pocket of my heart, I'm holding on to that. Maybe, maybe it's your, your, your sexual life. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your relationships. Maybe it's a, a hidden place in your heart where you're, you're holding on to bitterness and you know Jesus says forgive. You know Jesus says forgive. So whatever the spirit of Jesus is saying to you this morning about his rule in your heart, don't reject him. Don't reject him. The stone. Don't trip over the stone. Stand on the stone. Don't be crushed by the stone. Stand on the stone. There's only two options with Jesus. Be broken by the stone or be built by the stone. Be broken by the stone or be built up by the stone. Friends, would you let Jesus, the King of Kings, build you today? Would you bow your head, close your eyes? And just quietly there as you listen to the Lord speak to you, if you're here this morning and you need to receive Jesus as your Lord, you've never called upon him to save you, but you want to this morning. You've been the the ruler of your life, but you want Jesus to be the ruler of your life. You don't want to reject him any longer. You want to receive him as Lord. Just quietly in your heart, would you pray a prayer something like this? God, I know you're there. I've sinned against you. I deserve your judgment. But I need your grace. Please forgive me. I want you to be the Lord. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you, Lord. If you prayed that prayer this morning, 
for the first time, would you just look up at me and raise your hand high? Nobody's looking around, but I want to know. I want to celebrate with you. I want to pray for you. Anybody here this morning, if you're worshiping with us online, just leave a comment right now saying, today I'm receiving Jesus as my Lord. I'm no longer rejecting him, but I'm receiving him. Anybody here this morning, we had a, a woman in the first service to lift her hand to say, today I see you. I see you, brother, here in this space this morning. Welcome to the family of God. Would you just look up at me, brother, who just lifted your hand? Just look up at me. Let's celebrate with you. Welcome to the family of God. As you trust in Jesus, he pours out his love by his spirit. You're an adopted son of God. Heaven is your home. We rejoice with you, brother. Anybody else this morning say, I'm, I'm, I'm done rejecting Jesus. I want to receive him as my Lord. Church, I know many of you are like me this morning and and you would say, well, Jesus is my Lord, but man, I've been hanging on to this area and I've been the king of this area of my life. Pastor, would you just pray for me that I will release it to the Lord, that I'll submit it to his lordship in my life. If, if, if that's you this morning, you just want me to pray for you, just lift your hand. I'd love to pray for you. I see you, brother. Anybody else? All over the room, I see you. This is the Christian life, isn't it? Of saying, Lord, we've taken it over. We want to give it back to you. Father, we pray. Be gracious to us. Help us to put things back in your hands and to trust you, Lord. Help us to give up this area that we've been hanging on to, that we've been the boss of. Lord, help us to give it back to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. You, you know that player? <laughs> um, the, the title of the sermon this morning was Coach of the Year. Coach of the Year. And uh, what a joy it is that our Father in heaven is like the coach of the universe and we get to submit to him and he's a good coach an all wise coach a loving coach and um would you would you just imagine this morning just imagine what what god might do at real life and in this community as we say lord we're not going to reject your authority we're going to receive it every every teenager Every young adult, every senior adult, every, every person in middle age, we just welcome the rule of Jesus in our heart. Can you just imagine what God might do in the days to come? It's going to be special, friends. It's going to be special. We just looked at a passage in a text of Scripture that sobered us with God's judgment. But let's not forget how wonderful God's promise is. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, this is what it says. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. No eye has seen nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man has imagined what God has for those that love him. So the coming judgment sobers us, but the coming promise of an unspeakably good heaven fires us up. It lifts our spirit. It gives us hope to go on in a broken world. We're almost home, friends. We are almost home, and it's going to be far better than anything that we could imagine. Hallelujah. So as we sing this really well-known song this morning, my prayer is that the Spirit of God will lift your spirit in a fresh way, that you'll sense His love, you'll experience His touch this morning. Friends, would you stand to your feet? Would you sing out with all you've got, with a heart filled with faith, celebrating that that judgment doesn't have to be ours, that something wonderful is coming. Amen, church? Amen. Let's sing out. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.